Hey, welcome to week two of Faith First, a series that is best summarized with these pictures of Chris Pratt. You might know Chris Pratt from the Parks and Rec comedy sitcom, or maybe you know him from the blockbuster movie Avengers. Same guy, two very different physiques. What's the difference between these two Chris Pratts? Well, it was the difference of about six months of diet and exercise. And here's the thing. Who you're going to be in six months is the result of the habits that you form right now. And that's why I can't encourage you enough to join me on the Faith First journey. You can text the word FIRST to this number on the screen. And here's the thing. We're not going to ask you for any money. We're not going to make you do any crazy stuff. We're going to offer you a free cultivated journey. This starts the week after Labor Day, where every day and every week, we'll be giving you simple steps that you can take to reach your peak spiritual fitness. So join me on that journey and let's get into the word of God. Hey, we're studying in the book of Acts and we're learning about Christians who lived in a world that seemed to be burning down around them. Things were going crazy. And before we get too serious, I got to tell you a story about things going crazy recently. The other night I was in my backyard and the sun had set and I was watching the fireflies and I said, Mel, you got to come out here and have this romantic moment with me looking at the stars and the fireflies and she didn't want to come out. I had to talk her into coming out. She finally joins me right at this place and I'm like, look at this. Isn't this beautiful? And I kid you not, bats flew down from these trees, started flying all around us. Mel freaked out. She ran back inside. The reality is one moment life can be going great and the next everything can turn around. We learned this when we lived in the mountains of Arizona because we lived in an area that had forest fires. And I'll never forget the day when I heard that there was a forest fire near our house. I jumped in my Toyota Land Cruiser. I started heading home. And by the time I got to our neighborhood, the forest fire was right there behind our house. Here's the thing. As a journalist, as a reporter, when I lived in Arizona, I saw forest fires destroy entire neighborhoods. But right now, we're living at a time where we're seeing fires destroy our entire nation. Fires of injustice, fires of disease, fires of division. So many fires that are causing so much destruction. Fires of deception. And we're seeing bankruptcies of large companies. We're seeing entire industries collapse. We're seeing businesses go out of business. We're seeing tenants who can't afford to pay rent anymore because they don't have jobs. We're seeing landlords who don't know what to do because their tenants can't pay rent. One of my friends is a therapist. And he said the other day, you wouldn't believe with COVID the amount of depression, the amount of struggle in marriages, the amount of isolation. People just feel so alone and it's, it's grating on them psychologically and emotionally. He said the amount of addiction that's on the increase, so many lives are smoldering and burning. I wonder for you in your life right now, where is your world burning down or smoldering? Where's your world burning down or smoldering? I know for some of us, this is so extreme and severe. Maybe you're completely out of work or you suspect that you will be in the coming weeks or months. Or maybe it's your marriage that things seemed pretty good and now they seem terrible or your finances or maybe it's your health, a cancer diagnosis or a condition that makes you especially susceptible to COVID-19. Where is it in your life 
that maybe a year ago things seemed to be going okay, but now, now it just seems like the world is on fire. I want to encourage you today that you're not alone in feeling these things. Whether it's your parenting, whether it's school and school decisions, finances, relationships, planning, where is your life dry or dying? Uh, Where is it that you just feel inside like, man, I've been trying to hold it together, but it's getting so hard to hold it together. I want to ask you today, what if I could give you some water, living water, for that area of your life that seems like it's dry or dying or outright on fire. In fact, take a look at this picture. And if you're like me, when I see this picture, I automatically get the taste in my mouth of hose water. Because growing up as a kid in Michigan, I mean, so many summer days that I would drink from the hose like that when I was running around, playing outside. And of course, you can taste the vinyl or rubber or whatever chemicals are in the hose. That's that taste of fresh, cold hose water. And did you know today that where your soul is weary, where you just feel dry and dying inside, if you even feel like things are on fire or smoking God wants to give you living water. We've been studying the book of Acts because in the book of Acts, we find Christians just like us. It started with 11 and then it grew to 120. And here's the thing. They didn't have a church building they could meet in. They were hated. Jesus told them they were going to go and change the world, but they thought we can't even keep ourselves together, let alone change the world. And it's in the middle of that that Jesus tells them, here's how you're going to go change the world. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will receive power. This power is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. This is an explosive power. This is a power that took 120 people and has grown to today being the largest movement in human history. More real estate than any other ideology in history. More followers, more influence on the last 2,000 years of human invention and social progress. And it started with 11 people who couldn't do it until they received the power. Did you know this same power is available to you today? God calls it his Holy Spirit. Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit now lives within you. But I'm convinced from my own life experience that most Christians have yet to really access the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And so I want to take you to a time when Jesus explained the Holy Spirit in a different way. Here's how he talks about it in the Gospel of John chapter 7. On the last and greatest day of the festival. So this is in Jerusalem. It's a metropolis. If you think of what Indianapolis looked like when it hosted the Super Bowl and people came from all around or during an Indy 500 weekend without COVID, this is what Jerusalem was like. Everyone's there for this religious festival. And by the way, at this time, Jesus is well known. He's kind of the talk of the town. And at the very peak, the most climactic moment of this religious festival, Jesus stands up in the crowd and he starts shouting. And what he shouts seems completely out of line. He says in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me. 
Now, he wasn't holding a big canteen of water. He's not talking about being physically thirsty. He's talking about those thirsts that we all have within our souls. The thirst for fulfillment, the thirst for peace, the thirst for relationship, the thirst for security, all these different internal thirsts. In other words, everywhere in your life where you might feel that things are dry or dying or smoldering or burning, all those needs that you have, he's got water. He's got living water. And then he says this, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, Jesus says, as scripture has promised, if you believe in the Messiah, Jesus says, rivers, not just hoses, but full on rivers of living water. And this word living, it's a really unique Greek word. It actually means water that brings life. It doesn't just mean moving water. It it means it will bring life to things that are dying. If you had a hose and you took this living water and you poured it on dry dirt, life would spring up immediately. And he says, this is what I want to do in your soul. If you'll follow me, this is what I want to do in your thinking, in your habits, in your emotions, in your relationships, and these rivers of living water, they'll start to flow from within my believers. Now, it's later after the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples that they realize what we're told in verse 39. By this, rivers of living water flowing within you, Jesus meant the Spirit. Jesus doesn't desire for you to be groaning and barely making it through life. Now, he knows life is hard. and There's nothing unspiritual about groaning or having a difficult time. But in the groans, in the pains, in the struggles, he wants you to experience a source of life that bubbles up from within. It's called the Holy Spirit. And you've been given the gift of the Spirit as a believer in Jesus. Those who believed in him would receive the Holy Spirit. Now, here's our big idea from Acts 1-8 and John chapter 7. Jesus offers living water wherever your world is on fire. Jesus offers living water wherever you feel today like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to keep going. Maybe it's in your parenting. I don't know what area, as we talked about, all the different places of our lives that are dry or or burning, but wherever it is, he offers you living water. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you can call out to him and you can say, Jesus, I need your Holy Spirit. I'm not experiencing this, so will you help me? I've got to tell you guys, every time I've had a major breakthrough in my life of experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit or the comfort of the Holy Spirit, every time it has come when I've been reading the book of Acts and I've started to pray specifically, God, I want to experience your Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit promises to give you power, to give you peace, to give you comfort when you're afflicted. And if you're a believer, you can start calling out today, Holy Spirit, I want to experience you. In fact, if you've got one of our life application study Bibles, you can look up in the back, Holy Spirit, and you can start reading those passages and you can start praying and saying, Holy Spirit, I want to know your power. I want to know your peace. If you're not yet a believer, well, step one is to call out to Jesus. You know, I've seen firsthand that Jesus' promise 
that he made almost 2,000 years ago, it still works today. Oh yes, I've seen it in my own life, but I've also seen it in lives that were dramatically on fire in a bad way, smoldering and burning down. One of those people was a Grammy-winning musician, a rock star, multimillionaire named Brian Welch. Brian was part of a band called Korn. And back when I worked as an investigative reporter and a journalist, and I had just really affirmed my faith through a lot of research, I met Brian. You see, Brian had had a dramatic conversion. He was addicted to meth. His life was falling apart. In fact, he told me stories of times where he was high and his wife was high. And he told me about one time when he was punching his wife in the face, he was so out of it because of the drugs that he was on. And all the fame, all the success, all the money only led him to spiral deeper and deeper, just like so many people are spiraling right now. He felt so isolated and alone. He described to me how he would pretty much live in the back room of his tour bus. And he would just spend the time back there watching porn, doing drugs. They'd get to the next show. He'd get out and play the show. He'd maybe see a few people. And then he'd just get right back in the back of that bus. And he just lived this isolated life of darkness. In fact, he had so hit rock bottom that he was really thinking about taking his life. And that's when an Easter Sunday rolled around. And Brian stumbled into the back of a church a lot like ours. And he heard these words from Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. Well, Brian, who formerly hadn't even really believed in God, called out to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I need you. I do want to come to you. I am weary and burdened. And you know what? I spent about a month with Brian documenting his life. Because as an investigative reporter, I thought there's no way that Jesus actually set this guy free from a meth addiction. Meth's one of the most addictive drugs there is. Don't ever mess with it for your own good. And I spent that time with him thinking, is this actually real? And what I saw in Brian and in his daughter, who he was the single dad of because his wife still has a drug addiction, was that he had completely transformed. How is this possible? It's possible because Jesus actually is God. And because Jesus is actually God, he can give living water to your soul. He can relieve your heavy burdens. And if these things were not true, we wouldn't be talking about him today. If these things were not true, there wouldn't be millions of people like Brian Welch who every year experience radical transformations after they believe in Jesus. And here's what I'm here to tell you today. If you're hearing this for the first time, you've got to call out to Jesus to lift your burdens, to forgive your sins, to give you this living water. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to remind yourself that the peace that you're so hungry for the places you're so thirsty, the solutions are not out there in the world. They're in here, not in you, but in the Holy Spirit who lives within you. He promises living water. You get saved the moment you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he imparts to you his spirit and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. The problem so often in my life is that I've stopped it up. I've stuffed it down. 
It's not that the source of living water is no longer in there. It's that I've been looking to so many other things, people's opinions or financial security or temporary pleasures or all the other stuff the world says. You know, look to a political leader or look to a human cure. Look to all these other things. And when we do that, we neglect the river of living water, the very spirit of God who lives and breathes within us. I want to encourage you today, bring your dead or smoldering things to Jesus. Maybe your hopes for 2020, having anything good happen in your life are completely dead. Maybe smoldering describes your dreams that they've just burned down. Maybe dead describes your marriage. Maybe it describes even your view of yourself that you've gotten so discouraged, you've spiraled down so much that you just think, what's even the point? Here's the point. You're made in the image of God. He loves you. He still has a plan for you. It's the enemy who wants you to give up. It's the enemy who's all about death and destruction. Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have life to the full. So bring God whatever's dead in your life today. And if you're not yet really in the family of Christ and you're bringing it for the first time, then today can be your day of salvation. If you're with us and you're on this journey and you've trusted in Christ, then today can be the day where you, like me, say, oh Lord, I needed this reminder. The springs of living water aren't found out there. Because of Jesus, they're found in here. The very spirit of God lives within me. Holy Spirit, forgive me if I've been quenching you, if I've been stifling you. Spirit, I need your life-giving water. What does this water look like in your life? The book of Ephesians describes the fruits of the Spirit that will spring up in your life when you water the soil of your heart with the living water. You will have peace. You'll have love. You'll have joy that doesn't come from what's happening in the world, but actually bubbles up from within. You'll have patience. You'll have self-control. You'll have the ability to forgive and to persevere with those who wrong you. You know, the hurt in your life could be as serious as Brian Welch's meth addiction, or it could be that you're a believer and you've known Christ and you're largely free from sin, but over the summer, things just got kind of lackadaisical with your faith, or watching church online is so much harder than coming in person that you just kind of need some new, fresh life. I want to encourage you, Jesus' promise of living water, it works today. It works for people who've hit rock bottom like Brian Welch. And it also works for people who are doing pretty well, but still need Jesus one day at a time. Back in January, we did a message series with Ben Utech of the Indianapolis Colts Super Bowl winning team. When Ben lived here in the Indianapolis area, Connection Point was his church home. And if you missed it, you're welcome to go on our website and look up that series. It's called At the Stadium. And Ben shares different scripture passages as a man of God. And he talks about the very real struggles of being a great husband. It's hard work. Of being a good dad to his little girls. That's hard work. Of being a provider and so many other things that all of us deal with. And the point is this. Ben not only is a Christian, but has stayed a healthy, spiritually fit believer in Jesus because one day at a time, he's choosing to put faith first. And Ben has experienced what we're learning today, that when you don't know what to do, when you find yourself at a dead end, 
When things feel dry or stuck, you call out to the Spirit of God. You claim the promise of Acts 1-8 that you will receive power through the Holy Spirit. And you say, Jesus, I need that living water that you promised. I'm not sufficient in and of myself. I need your help in my life today. Well, if you're with us on this journey and you haven't yet been baptized, you got to get baptized. In fact, we're going to be doing baptisms next week, and it's going to be a blast. We'll do it however you're comfortable. If you want to do a one-on-one baptism with masks, we can do that. If you want to be part of a group baptism with masks, you can do that. Text the word baptism to the number on the screen. Whatever your next step is, keep journeying forward with us. I want you to think right now of that impossible situation in your life that feels dead or dying, feels like it's burning down. And I know if it's your marriage or your finances or maybe it's your inner life, you're thinking, okay, John, this is all great and hopeful, but you don't understand how dark things are for me right now. You don't understand how much it's gone off the rails. John, I know you mean well, but you just don't get how impossible it is. These streams of living water, good for you if you're experiencing, but, but my situation is so bad, there's no way I could. Well, I want to tell you a true story of a man who was in a situation that I guarantee you was worse than what you're going through. His name is Frederick Douglass. Now, Frederick Douglass was born as a slave. Here in the United States, he was born before the Civil War. And if you can imagine being born as a slave, being whipped and beaten as a child, never knowing who your mom is, who your dad is, never knowing what your birth date is because no one cared to write it down. Frederick Douglass doesn't have any childhood pictures, didn't have any childhood memorabilia because his childhood was a childhood of being chained up, whipped, beaten, driven around to do different chores. Frederick Douglass is living proof That when your life seems completely impossible, seems like everything around you is burning down and there's just nowhere to go, that God can break in. And if you will believe in him, he can bring rivers of living water to your soul and then through you to others. Listen to this, Frederick Douglass's own words from his own autobiography that he wrote. He says, in my loneliness and destitution, I longed for someone to whom I could go as to a father and a protector. Think of this guy growing up without a dad. And he says, the preaching of a white Methodist minister named Hanson is what caused me to feel that in God, I could have that father and protector. And then he says this, I consulted with a good colored man named Charles Lawson. And in tones of holy affection, he told me to pray. And I love what Charles Lawson told him to pray. Cast all your cares upon the Lord. That's a promise from the Old Testament. Cast your cares upon the Lord. He cares for you. Give him all your your concerns, all the things that are disturbing you. And that's what Frederick Douglass did. He said, this I sought to do. And though for weeks I was poor, brokenhearted mourner, traveling through doubts and fears, If you call out to God and things don't immediately get better, that's pretty normal. Keep calling out to God. Faith shows itself in perseverance. But he says, I finally found my burden lightened. 
and my heart relieved. Then he goes on, he says, I loved all mankind. What happened is when Frederick Douglass opened his heart to God, he said, here's everything that's broken in me. I need your help. He believed in Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit came to live within him and God filled him with a love for others. And these are his own words. I would never imagine being able to write this. He says, I loved all mankind, slaveholders not accepted. In other words, God gave me a love for my slave master because I knew that my slave master needed Jesus. Harriet Tubman, also an African-American who is a follower of Jesus, says the same similar thing. He says, though I abhorred slavery, which flies in the face of God's nature more than ever. Frederick Douglass says this about the living water that's available to you today. He said, I saw the world in a new light. And I want to encourage you, believer, if you've become so depressed and discouraged about the world, it may be that you've forgotten the new light that is available to you through the Holy Spirit. When you spend time in the word of God in prayer and you say, God, make me a spirit filled man or woman. Let me see the world as you see it. You will see the world through a new light. It doesn't mean the problems aren't still there, but you see them as temporary because you know that Christ will return. He will solve them. And until then, he's placed us here to help be part of his solution. He said, my great concern was to have everybody converted. Now, Frederick Douglass will spend the rest of his life. Other Christians will teach him how to read and write. And he will become an eloquent orator, a powerful speaker, and a powerful author. And God will use those words to change millions of hearts in their view about slavery. But Frederick Douglass says, my deepest concern was that people would be converted to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Because that's when you have eternal life. That's when you get set free from sins, just like the sin at his time of slaveholding. He says, the good old man had told me that the Lord had great work for me to do and I must prepare to do it. Man, what an understatement that God had great work for Frederick Douglass to do. He's one of my great heroes. I have that picture of him up in my office because the great work he did, once he finally got free from slavery, he could have run to Canada like so many did and said, I'm never going anywhere near the South again. But instead, he would travel all around the northern states and lecture halls would be packed out and he would declare through the word of God the evils of slavery and he would turn the hearts of people back to God. And many times at those lecture halls, pro-slavery folks from the South would come across with guns or they'd try to burn down the lecture halls. And so many times he barely escaped death, but he was willing to keep doing the good work God had him to do. And I love this. I must prepare to do it. Do you know that six months from now, God has powerful work for you to do in this community, in this church, in your relationships? It's time for you to start preparing to do it. It's time for us as a church to prepare. God wants to use us to bring living water. Yes, he wants to satisfy your own thirsts first, but then he wants that living water to flow through you to Brownsburg, to Danville, to Hendricks County, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Church family, I'm so proud of you that you guys are being so faithful in this time. Well, Frederick Douglass in his time faithfully prepared, and he ended up being just one of hundreds of abolitionists 
Those are the people who ended slavery, the vast majority of whom were devout Christians, people like Douglas and Harriet Tubman. You see, as Jesus solves the struggles within you, he will then begin using you to solve the struggles around you. So I don't know today if what you're burdened about are the problems in the world or the problems in your home and life, but whichever one they are, the solution is the same. You go to Jesus for the living water. He will quench your inner thirsts. He'll put out the flames of destruction in your life. And then as you believe in him, as you walk in the spirit day by day, as you let the word of God shape your mind and you obey one step at a time, God will now start to flow through you rivers of living water that will change the world. Yes, they'll change individuals like Kevin Byron, the firefighter who you all pitched in. You all pitched in and as a result, when he was on a COVID ventilator and he was in a coma and about to die, you all pitched in and we were able to save his home from going into foreclosure, provide for his family. And did you know that Kevin Byron recently resumed work as a firefighter right here in Brownsburg? That's because of the body of Christ being led by the spirit, doing what God calls us to do. And did you know that the impact it's one person at a time, each person being eternally valuable to God. But when we follow Christ together, it literally shapes the course of history. Let me show you an example. Here's two pages from the 1688 Germantown petition to end slavery. Now, don't tune out on me. This is not boring history. Let me give you a few facts. Did you know that slavery was a global norm in every major civilization dating back thousands of years? Romans had slaves, Egyptians had slaves, Aztecs had slaves, even North American Native Americans would enslave each other as tribes. Slavery is one of the expressions of sin in the human nature, and it has stained all the pages of human history. So this time that we've been born into where slavery is not a global norm is really unique. Who are the people, like Frederick Douglass, who ended slavery? Well, it started in 1688 with a group of Christians called the Quakers. And the Quakers had seen slavery in North America, and they wrote this document. In fact, human rights advocates looked to this petition as the first universal declaration of equal human rights. And what was it based on? The teachings of Jesus, who said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, these words crossed to the Atlantic where William Wilberforce and others who lived in Britain realized, oh my goodness, if we're gonna follow Jesus, we have to end slavery. And they acted to end slavery in all the British colonies, which at that time was most of the world, India, a lot of Africa, all sorts of places. And the United States trailed behind until a group called the American Anti-Slavery Society I write about this in my book, Jesus Skeptic, but let me give you a couple highlights. Did you know that 111 of 149 founders of the American Anti-Slavery Society were not only Christians, but were ordained clergy? Now, you don't have to be ordained clergy or a pastor to change the world, but the point is, this was a deeply religious group, not just religious, but devoted followers of Jesus. In fact, very often they would post posters like this. They'd go around to towns where slavery was still legal and they would say, I don't know what weakness may overcome me, 
but I don't believe I shall ever deny my Lord and master Jesus Christ. And I would deny him if I denied my principles against slavery. You can look at the history. It's in my book, Jesus Skeptic. But the point is this, followers of Jesus led by the word of God and then miraculously supernaturally empowered by the spirit of God faced death head on and many of them gave their lives. And as a result, the evil of slavery, which had stained the pages of human history for thousands of years, was extinguished because of the work of God in them. Believers, God wants to work living water in you, and then he wants to flow it through you. As Jesus solves the struggles within you, he'll use you to solve the struggles around you. He offers living water, not only where your world is on fire, but where our world is on fire. I could go on and on about how spirit-led believers have been used by God to start schools, which now result in all of us knowing how to read, to start universities, to start hospitals, even the vaccine as the whole world waits for a vaccine on COVID. The fact that we have vaccines was from a follower of Jesus named Edward Jenner. I want to encourage you with this. The spirit of God doesn't just trickle about, it surges like a raging river. Let me show you a picture of one of my favorite waterfalls. This is in Canada. This is a waterfall that I would go to growing up as a kid. Now I've got three older brothers and they're all jocks. They're all really athletic. And one year we were here and this waterfall is, is bigger in real life than it probably looks in this picture because a person's probably, you know, that tall. And, and we were up at the top here kind of messing around. And one of my older brothers, who's really strong, he decided that he was going to inch his way across the waterfall. He was going to show how strong he was. <laughs> he was stronger than the waterfall. And it, you know, it's a funny memory now because I was up there on the side chasing a butterfly or something. My brother's inching his way across. And I'm looking, I'm seeing him out of the corner of my eye. And then I'm chasing this butterfly. And I hear this kind of whoosh noise. And I look back and my brother's just gone. He's gone, and the, I saw him tumbling down, and one of these levels had a deep pool in it, and I saw the water drive him deep down under the water, and my brothers were all looking, we're waiting to see, is he going to pop up? Is he going to survive? But here's the thing, he did pop up, you don't have to worry, okay? He's alive, he's doing great today, but here's the point. My brothers and I learned a lesson that day about the power of moving water. We will never underestimate the power of moving water. Did you know that the Spirit of God surges like a raging river through the pages of human history. And it is an unstoppable force. With or without you and me, God's river of redemption and justice and power and salvation will surge through our time in history and will continue to surge right up until Jesus returned. The question is this, are you part of his current? Are you part of his movement? I wanna invite you to be part of his movement You've heard us talk about texting the word first. And I've got to tell you, this isn't just some kind of normal hokey churchy campaign. We as a church want you to be completely united with us because no matter what happens in the next six months, we're going to walk with Jesus one day at a time. We're going to be led by his spirit and his word one day at a time. And I don't want you to miss out. So text that word first. By the way, when you text the word first, as you fill out your profile at the end of it, you're gonna see a list of items you can check. 
And let me tell you some of these items because they're probably some of the things that are dry or dying or smoldering in your life. It's things like divorce care if you're going through a divorce. It's things like financial coaching if your finances are out of control. It's men's groups if you're a dude and you don't have other brothers in Christ who are spiritual warriors with you. If you're a mom and you feel isolated, we've got mom's groups. We've got women's Bible studies. We have in the body of Christ what you need, but you've got to take that step to text that word first so we can get you connected. Well, let me close by telling you a story of my son, Jack, when he was seven years old. Here's Jack at age seven. And we were living in a place where wildfires, not the same forest fire I had shown you earlier, but a different one, had killed 30 people in their homes. Really tragic. And we were watching the evening news and there were these emotional stories about people losing their homes and losing their relatives. And keep in mind, Jack was remembering the other forest fires from our other house. And as we were laying there, as I was putting him to bed, he said, Dad, I wish there were no fires. I want to go to a place where there are no fires. And I looked at him, I said, you know, the world that Jesus is preparing for us, that's a place where there are no fires. And he said, good, I want to go there. I said, yeah, I want to go there too, buddy. But do you know why Jesus left us here in the world? It's so we can help get other people out of the fires. So we can tell people there's hope. Jesus brought you here into this message today to remind you there's living water for you. And the world around us has never been more desperate. May the spirit of God empower us to be his people. I'm gonna pray that for you right now. Almighty God, we claim your promise that if we come to Jesus in faith, we will receive living water to quench our thirst and then through the power of your spirit, living water will surge through us. Lord, the world around us is on fire and it is so in need of your living water. The world around us is dying. Lord, it's so dry. And we come to you first and foremost, Lord, we need your living water in our marriages, in our thought lives, in our habits. We need your living water. And so, Lord, may we drink deep of it. Forgive us for looking to other things to quench our inner needs. Jesus, you are the living water that we need. Lord, may we be a people, thousands of us, who right now at this moment in time, we choose we're putting faith first. We're gonna drink deep of Jesus and then Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit. May we be a supernaturally empowered people to do good works that we could never do in our own strength. Like Frederick Douglass, may we be fearless May we have a heart that everyone who doesn't know you would come to know you. God, would you use our church to multiply thousands of new believers, to raise up a generation with thousands of young people who know you and serve you. Lord, use us to make disciples. Use us to bring water to so many who are thirsty right now. We love you. We invite your spirit into this place. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.